Assessment, Joining the Dots, our monthly podcast covering all things assessment. Thank you so much for supporting us and for tuning in to listen to episode five. We are GL Assessment or GL Education, depending on where you are in the world. Our formative standardised assessments are used by millions of learners in thousands of schools in over 100 countries worldwide. Whether to inform teaching and learning strategy or to help guide personalised learning decisions, we're passionate about supporting teachers and leaders to make the best use of your data insights. If you've joined us for previous episodes, then you'll be familiar with our reoccurring segments, including our light bulb moment and our data spotlights, where we demystify commonly used terminology. So whether you're using our assessments or not, if you feel like you could do with knowing a bit more about assessment, we hope that assessment joining the dots is for you. I'm Emma Dibden, GL Assessment Specialist for SEND and Wellbeing. In this role, I use my experience as a former SENCO, an abbreviation of Special Educational Needs Coordinator, to guide decisions related to the relevant parts of our portfolio. Whether through training, support or assessment development, my aim is to ensure that colleagues using our SEND and Wellbeing resources have effective and efficient assessments that provide meaningful data to support the identification of a learner's individual strengths and challenges. It will come as no surprise, perhaps, that our focus today is on SEND and the role of assessment within this area. I'm really pleased to be joined in conversation by someone with significant wisdom and knowledge from which I've personally benefited in my previous roles, offering a balanced view from strategic improvement to the all-important hands-on learner experience. Gary Orbin has worked in settings across the UK and internationally to promote the successful inclusion of learners with SEND in mainstream schools. I'm therefore very grateful to be able to chat with him about his experiences and to draw upon his expertise. We've been partnering with Whole Education for some time on both their Words for All project and more recently on their SEND School Improvement Programme. Um, And I had the pleasure and privilege to attend uh, their conference in the summer months. But somebody who's a fairly recent addition to that team is Gary Orbin, who you might know as the face behind SEND Matters. Gary, I know you've recently worked as a multi-academy trust lead for learners with SEND in the UK, but could you start off maybe by sharing a little bit more about your SEND journey today, if you don't mind? I'd love to, Emma, and thank you so much for having me. It's really nice to be joining you here. So I'm a secondary teacher by background, turned head of year and then SENCO, and worked for several years as a SENCO in London um, in a secondary school, and then uh, began to work across a number of schools as that school you know, joined and a trust that then got bigger. So I've been a primary mainstream SENCO, a secondary mainstream SENCO, and I was on secondment to the Education Endowment Foundation um, a couple of years ago. So uh have had the pleasure of talking about their own evidence base in relation to SEND. Um, I wrote a book called The Lone Senko, and now um, I've just hung up my boots as a MAT SEND leader, and I'm working more with whole education and really enjoying the chance to network and work and support MAT SEND leads and SENCOs up and down the country. Um, So it's really nice to be here today, Emma. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. We're grateful to have somebody with such experience and a trusted voice uh, in the world of uh, special educational needs. And we'll circle back round to the work that you're doing with whole education in just a little while. But I wanted to just mention, if I can, to start with something that resonated with me recently from the Confederation of Schools Trust Survey report, where colleagues were asked which areas they intended to focus their efforts on in terms of the quality of education. And 56% of those participants identified SEND as their number one priority. 
unfortunately, perhaps this doesn't come as a surprise, uh, especially because I was lucky enough in recent times to have conversations with colleagues in schools who reminded me of those challenges uh, and the priorities that feature as part of that role as day-to-day uh, SENCO. And I know that all too well as a former SENCO. Most describe themselves as kind of time poor and budget restricted, but they had that sharp focus on accurately identifying needs to make sure that they could match the support they were putting in place to allow their learners to thrive. I think we probably both agree, Gary, that having a clear understanding of individual strengths and challenges is a really important place to start. Can I ask you maybe to touch on your experience and, and comment on this in terms of the process that maybe you and your colleagues and schools adopted uh, in this area? Yeah, um, I think with assessment and identification of needs, often that's the start point, isn't it? But I think it's important to have your eye on the end point when you're starting, if you know what I mean. So I um, know colleagues who, you know, have a very broad sweep of individual and small group and whole cohort assessments and their reports sit on their desk and, um, you know, and then at the end of the year, they get thrown away. And you know, there is that danger with assessment and identification that unless you start with why and where we're going and what potentially our intervention offer, potentially our staff training in relation to what we find out about people's needs, I think it's really useful just to have the end in sight at the very beginning so that that assessment is always linked to intervention. It's always linked to classroom practice. It's always linked to things that will then um, help us to know more about the child and then go and amend our, our provision accordingly. You mentioned there about the CST survey that shows that SEND is you know, a really high focus at the moment. And I see that as both a strength and a indication of where we are, doesn't it? That actually lots of people with SEND are really struggling to succeed and thrive in school. But at least what we've got is a workforce who who um, proudly recognises that they have a really vital role to play in that and a, and a commitment to, to developing their own practice in that in that um, regard. So I think in terms of um, assessment and identification, it's clearly, you know, you want a child centred approach where, you know, it's families, families, families. And so clearly the work of GL assessment allows you to be data informed, allows you to start with that macro before you move into the micro, doesn't it? Allows you to screen 200 pupils and then go, we need something further with 20 and you do something further with 20, potentially again using GL assessment as I have many times in my practice. But it always is about the voice of the family as well and knowing that family insight of actually they probably find that testing environment or screening or assessment whatever we call it that testing sort of context you set up quite stressful and may not have performed to their best or you know you, this report has indicated that they can't do that but actually I know from their teacher last year or from what we do at home with them or, or something else that actually I believe they can so it's all it's all the voice of families there and that helps you to uncover the the, the things behind that behind the data and behind the numbers um, so it needs to be data informed of course and you know we want our we want our assessment to, to produce some numbers and things and that's a really important part of knowing that whether or not our interventions um, are purposeful and impactful. And I have been into schools where someone talks proudly about doing the intervention as if that is their marker of success. And of course, it's not by and large, is it? It's it's the marker of we're doing stuff, but it's only important and impactful if it's having that 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 impact on a child and on their learning and on the development of some kind. And so let's not pretend that everything is quantifiable. Of course, there's all kinds of indicators of success that are not a neat change in the standardised score. But but where we do have those changes, we should utilise them alongside that qualitative information that includes feedback from families about what's going on for a particular child. 
For colleagues new to SEND, let's take a moment to pause our conversation with Gary and hand over to James and Polly for some SEND-specific insights by way of our Data Spotlight Explainer, designed to demystify data and assessment terminology. Now, we're briefly going to go on to explore the role of assessment in supporting SEND students. So whole cohort assessments, such as those at test attainment or ability, perhaps the NGRT, the Progress Test Series or the CAT4, can help to provide the first layer of data to support teaching and learning. But we're often asked where to go next if you think a learner may be experiencing barriers. Our SEND portfolio includes a wide range of screeners, too many to list right here, but these can help you to understand the nuance of needs so you can define the next steps which might include targeted interventions or further investigation. So I'm going to pass over to Polly now uh, with a question that often pops up to us. How do I know which screener to choose? That's a great question, James, um, but not one I can answer with a simple one-size-fits-all response. There's lots of different things that needs to be considered. So we all have different profiles of strengths and challenges. As we know, no two learners are the same. So context is so important in identifying needs and responding to those needs. As a SENCO, I used to explore the reasons behind what led to the screening. How would the request come about? So, for example, was it from teacher observations? Was it from parent concerns? Or I may have highlighted a particular student from the assessment data. So, of course, look at the data but we do also encourage you to use all that available information to understand a learner's potential barriers. Observe the learner in class, talk to the teachers, talk to the parents, and if it is appropriate, talk to the learner themselves about what they're finding difficult. And this will help you to decide where to go next. That's great, Polly. So can I diagnose a need using these tests? Another great question and one that we get asked a lot. And in short, I'm afraid the answer is no. Um, Our assessments are screeners, so they can help to indicate potential areas of challenge for specific aspects of learning or cognitive processes, but they don't represent a formal diagnosis. This only comes from an appropriately qualified professional. I suppose think of it this way. SENCOs and learning support colleagues work a bit like detectives. They have their suspicions about the difficulties a learner may be experiencing, but they need that evidence, like our standardised screeners to help build that case before we do refer it on to someone with a more specialist skill. Interesting. So if someone has administered the screener or is simply exploring its use, what resources are there available to help them best utilise the assessment? We've got some great resources to help guide your decision making on our support site. And this includes our SEND training series. And these SEND mini series are a great resource to dip in and out of. There are a series of short videos which explain the screeners and then the data you get from those screeners, but it can be accessed at a pace that suits individuals and perhaps most importantly can be accessed at a time to suit those busy teachers. In addition, we've got our SEND guide which has been produced to help to support identification processes by guiding you to the most appropriate screeners. So you can use various filters including adjustments to chronological age, area of need, area of concern, area of the curriculum, and then you can adjust your approach in keeping with the individual needs of your pupils. And now back to our interview with Gary Orbin. Can I ask you maybe to share a little bit more about how data might feed into a sort of strategic leadership level of SEND? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Emma. Um, so the so I've joined Whole Education, um, sort of you know properly, if you like, having done some bits and bobs with them over the past year or so. I've got a lot of time for their for their program and the work they do, and it's been a pleasure to, to come on board over the last few months. 
So whole education have a program that's aimed at schools rather than Senko specifically. Though let's be honest, the Senko is often the conduit for these things, but it's very not very much not um, a sort of just a Senko development program because we recognise that you know you want to have impact across a whole school community, provide support for all colleagues in the school. So actually, it's a it's a it's a sense called improvement program rather than um, aimed solely at Senkos. And so, so what, what the program provides is it supports SENCOs to, um, uh, while recognising that the job is a really incredibly tough and particularly so at the moment, it supports SENCOs to have a framework to try and see beyond the day-to-day operational into something a bit more strategic, which let's be honest, in reality is really hard. And actually, I think the programme provides uh, you know, a mechanism with which schools can be forced sometimes, and I mean that very respectfully, but be forced to, to do the bigger picture stuff when there's so much day-to-day that, that in reality needs to be done as well. So, so it's, And it begins with accurate self-evaluation. So there's a platform um, by which uh, SENCOs work with their leadership teams to look across seven core themes in the programme to go, where are we, for example, in relation to provision mapping, working with learners and families, impact, and a number of other core themes there so it supports schools and where schools are working in a group i.e multi-academy trust or within the same local authority it can give schools the same language around send school improvement that actually supports them to to learn from each other and develop together which i think a lot of mats particularly we've got between 40 and 50 multi-academy trusts across the, across the uk being involved in um in this um in the work with whole education on the on the mats program so it supports self-evaluation initially and then action planning linked to that self-evaluation so it has high quality cpd running through it around things like what a strategic leader of said looks like how to uh, know where you are so to accurately self-evaluate and then how to write and then implement an action plan that will lead to changes um, you know in reality in your school and then across the program we take the seven core themes and and deliver high quality cpd across the year related to those seven core themes but i think the unique thing i hope and believe about whole education is that they believe very much in the power of the network so it's so partly it's about getting external people in to come and lead a session but actually it's much more and what i think sets whole education apart a little bit it's much more about the riches of that network about about the solutions to the challenges often existing within schools or and or mats and or schools working within local authorities working on their own as a standalone academy wherever they are actually those answers about what a good lesson looks like for a child with a certain type of need or what an effective intervention looks like when it's led by a ta who's new to the profession or what effective partnership with families, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Actually, those answers are often being um, uh, often often there uh, and being delivered wonderfully well and with great expertise within the network of hundreds of schools who we're working with. So we really try and champion those schools that are doing these particular elements really well, um, provide exemplification and training and high quality CPD for others. Um, so there's there, yeah, and we have a twin track program that that supports MAT send leaders through a series of networking events and CPD focused on that still fairly new role alongside that program that is often working with SENCOs, but also trying to support other principals and other school leaders who um, who are bought into that process of send school improvement. One last question, if I may, uh, which I hope isn't too challenged, but okay, based on all of that sort of knowledge, rich experience, evidence-based practice in, in terms of teaching and learning, if you had that crystal ball that we all wish we did have and you could look ahead into the future, you know, what would that world of education look like for you for sort of learners with SEND, Gary? I hope that's not too challenging. 
That's fine. I'm going to read your question as an optimist. I'm going to answer as an optimist, if I may. Um, <laughs> that feels like the, that's the most sensible thing to do. So, crystal ball. I, I, I think the future will be where we are less binary in our understanding of send. So whether we, uh, I think, become quite uh, sometimes fixated on whether or not a child has send. Um, I think we need to appreciate that there's a that, that send is not a yes or no. Um, we like to put pupils into boxes as either your K or E or your N. And actually, you know, it's not an exact science and a child will be considered to have send in one school, but not the school down the road in a class where there's sort of calm and order and, you know, a teacher who's meeting these and the other, you know, in the next classroom who's not. And they'll have an EHCP in one and not in the other. So essentially, it's not an exact science and we shouldn't treat us as such. And so so what is it instead? Well, it's an appreciation that, you know, in some ways, both everyone and no one needs an IEP or people profile or whatever. Both everyone, because we need to understand the nuance of everyone, and no one, because actually where we build in the needs of pupils with SEND, call it SEND, call it not SEND, call it low prioritizing, or just call it having a bad day or week, or call it just hasn't got quite a secure relationship with you as their teacher yet and isn't quite trusting and therefore doing their, you know, whatever it might be, Actually, if we start with we have we create an environment that works for all learners, we have some approaches and strategies that we know work and that can be by and large applied at the whole class level. But then when we need to be a bit more bespoke for, for groups or individuals, we know we have those in our sort of toolbox and we can apply them where we reflect constantly about our practice and make small adjustments accordingly, informed by what families are telling us then actually lots of that inclusion becomes invisible and we don't need to go. I think we're a bit um, t- stuck at additional and different, aren't we, a little bit, where it has to be, you know, it has to look different and it has to be additional to others or else it doesn't really count to send provision. And actually, I think that's, you know, sometimes an unhelpful phrase because what we want to do is make it where if needs are being met alongside all the rest of the class in an environment in which all pupils can succeed uh, with a practitioner who's constantly getting feedback from pupils about, you know, how they're coping and how they're succeeding and how they're learning and constantly going home thinking, that was great today, I'm going to try tweaking this or I'm not quite sure it's working now, I'm going to go and get a bit of feedback from from the family or from a colleague, then actually lots of, you know, the stresses in the system and the, the focus on K or N or E, I think can reduce a bit because there's clearly that commitment across the workforce to make it work. And that's actually, I hope, gives that optimist answer as to as to how it might work. Not making it easy, never looking to present this as something that has easy answers, because clearly it doesn't. No, absolutely. I mean, that, that that's just such a powerful way to end. For the benefit of colleagues who might be listening overseas, Gary referenced K and N and E, and those are UK terminologies that will make sense to our colleagues who are based here. Uh, but broadly speaking, that's the way in which we might group learners uh, in terms of the, the, the level of support that we might be giving them. But just to finish, I think the thing that you talked about there that really stuck with me, Gary, the most was about that invisible inclusion. And as you said, that's not something that comes easy. That takes lots of of hard work. And we've heard something today from you that kind of threads into that uh, level of of dedication from from our colleagues. So thank you so much for your time, Gary, and for sharing your kind of expertise and wisdom with us. We really appreciate it. It's an absolute pleasure, Emma. Thank you so much for having me. What was the moment that you realised the power of assessment data? 
And what was the impact of that realisation on your learner's experience? Our light bulb moments allow us to share these aha moments. Think of this as an opportunity to step just for a moment into someone else's staff room and to learn something new from their ways of working. This month, we give special thanks to Becky Hawes at Cadmus Inclusive for sharing their story. I'm Becky Hawes, the Chief Executive Officer of Cadmus Inclusive. We're a not-for-profit company in Warsaw in the West Midlands that supports schools with all aspects of meeting the needs of their vulnerable pupils. As part of our role, we regularly get to work with students to assess their needs. We use a range of products from GL Assessment to do so, and in doing so, frequently have our light bulb moments. So one of our most recent ones was sitting with a pupil to complete an assessment to look at their receptive language needs. As we did this, we didn't just get the moment of this is what their score is, this is how well they've done in a standardised manner compared to their peers. We actually got a brilliant thing that told us about how they process language. So this pupil sat and for each picture that we showed had to work through a process of elimination to give us the right answer. So, for example, if we had trowel, they would say, I know that one, it's a spanner. My dad's got one of those, he doesn't say trowel. This one here, I think that's a screwdriver. So it's got to be this one, trowel. Now that light bulb moment for us was epic because we realised that this student was getting the answers right, but having to go through a long and drawn out process to do so. And it had a severe impact upon how he was away, able to keep up in the classroom. So as a result, we gave this student incredible amounts of processing time and watched his outcomes in the classroom soar. So it isn't just about a standardised score for us, it's often about the pupil performance. So to get involved, it's really easy. All you need to do is send us a WhatsApp voice note with your contribution to 07917 516 515. Many thanks to all who have sent their voice notes so far. We've loved listening back to these and look forward to sharing more next time. Thanks for joining us for our assessment Joining the Dots podcast. For those of you specifically interested in hearing more about the ways in which our assessments can support the processes for identification of additional learning needs and differences, we would encourage you to keep an eye open for the first of our new Send Searchlight webinar series coming next month. If you would like any more information from us, please head to our training and support site, support.gl-assessment.co.uk or support.gl-education.com, depending on where you are in the world. Tweet us at at gl underscore assessment or at at gl underscore education and email us if you'd like to know more or to contribute. We'd love to hear from you. The email address is podcast at gl-assessment.co. UK. Please do follow and rate our podcast, share with your friends and colleagues and subscribe to be notified when new episodes are available. Join us next time when we'll be taking another perspective on personalisation by joining the dots on the whole pupil view. Thanks ever so much for listening and do make sure you join us again next time. Music.